Welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy between WWF Raw and WCW Monday Nitro. We relive the war skirmish by skirmish to decide which show we think should have won the fight for viewing figures that week. We then reveal which show actually did take the gold in the Nielsen ratings using our golden envelope. Well, after the bell rang to kick off 1996 in the last episode, we're now locked up at 7-all on the Monday night scoreboard, ready to get going and, praise be, there are no American football-themed pun minefield for us to tiptoe our way through this week. But we'll start by introducing ourselves. I am one of your hosts, my name is Steve, and I am, as always, joined by a man who once returned a steam cleaner to the shop because when he got it home, he noticed an as-seen-on-TV sticker on the side of the packet, and he said he hadn't. It's the one and only nitpicker, Jim! <laughs> All right, Jim. <laughs> uh, I like that one. That was one of my, one of my, uh, my favourite intros so far, that one. Very good. Good way, to, good way to kick off the show. <laughs> Are you doing all right? Uh, I'm, very, I'm very well, thank you. How about yourself? How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Small talk. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to have. <laughs> I always love going second. <laughs> oh, God. I've had Jim's acting just moments before. <laughs> And I'm also joined by a man who, legend has it, after 17 steins of Deutschland's finest pilsner transforms into El Nino. It is, of course, only a myth. Or un mito, as he'd say. Or is it? <laughs> it's very true. It's the one and only lost Liam. All right, Liam. All right, lads. Very good indeed. How are you doing? You all right? Uh, I'm feeling very anxious. Uh, Steve, if I'm being honest, um, I think I'm not I going might to lie to you. I've got a got a monkey on my back. That is the <laughs> the Vince impression. Uh, oh yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm very concerned about that. I can't wait. Well, we best get into it then. All right, Jim, put the weapon down. I'll get you placed in history for some cultural reference point orientation. Here we go. Let's set the scene. The date is the 8th of January, 1996. This week, the first ever episode of Third Rock from the Sun was shown in the States. Space Shuttle STS-72, better known as Endeavour 10, as I'm sure you're about to interject to tell me, Jim, launched into space on its mission to capture and bring back a Japanese microgravity research spacecraft called the Space Flyer Unit. They could have come up with a better name than that. They really could. That's, that's yeah, that, that is accurate, though. I can confirm. <laughs> and there were yet more 90s music releases with improbable names. The Fugees released Fuji La. Lush released Single Girl. Janet Jackson released 24 Play. Chris Cross dropped Young, <laughs> Rich and Dangerous. Kid Rock, sadly more from him to come in our particular field of interest, brought out Early Morning Stoned Pimp. In another bout of Undertaker foreshadowing, Dead Man Walking, music from and inspired by the motion picture, was released. 
Angelo Badalamenti released City of Lost Children. Sounds scary. Bobby McFerrin brought out Bang! Zoom! Greyboy released Land of the Lost. Rammstein released Seaman. See what I did there? See what I did there? Release. Sorry. And rather <laughs> improbably, Disco Inferno brought out Technicolor. Sadly, not that Disco Inferno. I did check. Right, now we know what we're watching on the telly, what we were searching for in the night sky, and what we were once again listening to in mild disbelief. Let's see how Vince and Eric try to compete with that lot. They'll be... Raw debuting geologically chilly ringmasters. It's clever if you think about it, that one. Oh, yeah. Starcade punishment lost Liam Larynx blasters, but no natural disasters. Let's get cracking. And we kick off with WCW Monday Nitro, live from the North Charleston Coliseum, Charleston, South Carolina. Liam, take us through it. Okay, so we've got Messrs. Bischoff, McMichaels and Heenan that bring us in for this week's episode of WCW Monday Nitro, alongside, of course, as always, Pepe the Dog. Pepe is wearing a bomber jacket this week, and he is honestly the best-dressed individual amongst this motley crew <laughs> at the comms table this week. There's some absolute <laughs> scandalous outfits on show here. Mongo is wearing a cowboy-esque brown suede jacket with tassels that only Marty Gennetti would approve of. Bischoff has a white turtleneck jumper paired with a planet Hollywood leather jacket. And Heenan is wearing an oversized white jumper with what looks like a massive knots and crosses board on the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best Pepe description we've ever had. He looked pretty... It, that's what it, it, it's the best he's looked, I think. <laughs> He's got the the look that has aged the best. (laughs) 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 Eric Bischoff informs the viewers that Charleston, South Carolina is where the Civil War kicked off and that they have their own Civil War kicking off in the main event tonight between Hogan, Savage and the Horsemen. Mongo needlessly chips in here with some tripe about Pepe wearing the bomber jacket because he's waiting for the flak to fly or flag to fly. No idea. Any of you, any of you two, can you dissect that no. one for me? So as, 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 as World War II bomber pilots that, that uh, wore those bomber jackets to keep them warm, they may have been susceptible to flak that would have killed them, right? So he's made a really macabre, weird, as if anyone's firing flak at Pepe. You know what I mean? Like, if anyone's going to do it, it'd be Pepe to put himself out of the misery <laughs> week on week. <laughs> but I think that's what he's going for, as I understand it. Uh, shit, shit then. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving any credit for that. No, not should you. Uh, Heenan, Heenan reminds us once again here with his bit of the main event, Hogan and Savage going up against, and despite Eric Bischoff telling us not 30 seconds ago of the participants, Bobby Heenan has a moment of the Mongols before finally remembering that Hogan and Savage's opponents will be Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. It's like his batteries ran out, wasn't it? He just yeah, stopped. He, he struggled. He struggled this week, I think, uh, he did, did Bobby, Bobby. Heenan. Um, but we, we don't hang around for too long. Uh, as the first contest is about to get underway, we're going to see one of the four horsemen, Chris Benoit, going up against Das Vunderkind, Alex Wright. 
So Benoit, he needs to make amends after losing to Sir William Regal last time out on Nitro, Fair which enough. is, of course, the reason why uh, Pillman was, was annoyed at him in the first place. Um, so it's a big match for Benoit, and you, and you get that, that, fe- that's, that feeling straight away, really, because when Das Wunderkind comes to the ring in his trunks and leather jacket, in case it gets <laughs> cold, I presume, in the arena, Benoit just clobbers him straight away to start the match. <laughs> As the high-flying German is removing said cowhide. Um, <laughs> this kind of enables Benoit to be dominant in the early exchanges with Pillman looking on. I thought Pillman absolutely was incredible in his, in his managerial yeah. role here. Just constantly, Stunning. constantly on the fucking quest to get heat. He's arguing with the crowd all the Stunning. time. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Um, he's, he, early doors, Pil- um, Das Wunderkind gets thrown to the outside and, and Pillman's skins choking him with a, with a shirt and you know it was. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible brutal so back in the ring Wright uses impressive athleticism to uh, to spark a comeback hitting a heel kick of some description followed mm. by a crossbody off the top uh, before slingshotting Benoit to the outside where Benoit is forced to eat a baseball slide from the resurgent German. And the aerial assault then continues as Wright goes back up top and launches himself to the outside, flattening Benoit. And then he's up and after Pillman. Das Wunderkind is absolutely on one after his early setbacks in this match. And there's surely, there's surely no stopping him. (laughs) But unfortunately... It seems like there actually is some stop in the next right because he ends up getting involved with Pillman after initially kind of chasing him off. He ends up getting involved with Pillman again on the outside, which allows Benoit a bit of respite. And upon recovering from the constant, you know, blows, constant aerial ba- bombardment is the word I'm looking for. Constant aerial bombardment. From, he needs uh, Pepe's flak jacket on. That's what he needs. <laughs> he does, did he? After recovering from the constant aerial bombardment, the, uh, the, the brief little respite he had allows him to get himself together. The, him and Wright exchange a few moves before a series of suplex reversals end with mm. the Canadian crippler landing a dragon suplex and scoring the pinfall win. Um, I thought both wrestlers were very good here, but... You can argue that Brian Pilburn, I think he's put in the performance of the match. Absolutely the splendid. Totally um, the show. Yeah. Great on the outside throughout, always getting involved. And then as soon as the bell rings, he's straight in the ring, straight in there, taunting Wright, who's kind of <laughs> laid out on the mat. Wright kind of is like, fuck off, get away. I've just, you know what I mean? Don't need this. Just lost to Benoit after dominating most of the match. So then Pilburn kind of walks off, but like spits at him, gobs yeah. it right in the face. Right in the face. And, before picking up his shirt and leaving, I thought just... Even scripted, a, even scripted, getting spat on isn't isn't pleasant, isn't it? Correct. Like, you know, correct, correct, like, correct. Yeah. Even if it's off the cuff or scripted, you you, you don't want to be spat on. Of course you don't. No, especially on the don't. face. I mean, that you is, don't. I can imagine that wasn't discussed before, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, Alex, yeah. I tell you what, I'll get a lead. I tell you what, I'll get a lead. Yeah. No. Unbelievable. Did, did you see uh, the moment in the match when uh, Pillman's about to get? He's on the apron. He's about to like interfere, and someone must shout something from the front row. And he turns around really quickly and jumps down and just shits the front row off and starts, <laughs> yeah. starts shaking the guard right Oh, yeah, husband. right in the grill. Yeah, yeah, incredible. He's a, he's a psychopath, oh, isn't he? Oh, it was fun. It was so good. It was, yeah, it was so good. It's what I imagine Bobby Heenan would look like if he was, you know, ringside now and, you know, a, a few years younger. Like, it was just heat in, a, in an absolute nutshell. So good. Fantastic stuff. Lads, can you tell me what links the following? 
National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Toy Story 4. The Empire Strikes Back. Dawn of the Dead. Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Thor Ragnarok and Paddington 2. Films that I've fallen asleep to. (laughs) Nope, you're wrong. They're all sequels that were better than the original. And strap yourselves in, ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what we've got for you right now. As, frankly, unbelievably, we've only bloody got Lord Stephen Regal twice in two weeks. And this time he's taking on TMNS favourite Eddie Guerrero. Here we go. No way Eddie was falling asleep in Paddington, during Paddington 2. I'm not having that. That's an absolute <laughs> classic. <laughs> Out first, again accompanied by Jeeves and looking resplendent once more in his robes, is Lord Stephen Regal. Eddie's cheesy rock riffing hits next as he makes his way down the ramp, collecting the fans' high fives on the way. Good pop for the bloke, and rightfully so. As the bell rings, Regal elegantly prances around the ring as he sizes up his opponent. And we start with some mat-based grappling before Regal drops Eddie with a dropkick to the knee. But the Texan is quick to reverse and apply a hammerlock to the grounded man from Blighty. Eric tells us that Regal can hurt you in lots of different ways. You're dead right, Eric, but, you know, mostly physically, eh? Eddie keeps pace with his lordship's locks and holds as Bischoff thanks the fans for making WCW number one, saying it's their most successful year ever. And to thank them, they'll be providing the next pay-per-view, Clash of Champions, for free. So you should forget about the royal fumble. It sounds like another way that Regal might try and hurt Eddie, but we'll leave that one. Regal starts to dominate a little as Eddie begins to succumb to the sheer volume of holds and reversals as the crowd starts to get frustrated. Eddie tries to pick up the pace, but Regal's equal to it. Before Guerrero finally starts getting the better of Regal, landing him with a Hurricane Rana that Regal just about manages to take in time without it looking completely dodgy. He was pretty late before he started <laughs> sending his body, you know, hot over tit. The lads trade pin attempts faster than I can keep pace with before Regal pokes Eddie in the eye to ground his opponent for a bit of a pause. Guerrero gets another two count before a huge roughhousing forearm from Lord Regal drops him and the crowd boos, and rightly so. Already shaping up to be a bit of a masterclass this, and just as I'm thinking that, a gorgeous looking reverse suplex from Regal plants Eddie who must have, you know, one of the strongest cores in the business to help Regal execute this move. He's bumping like a pro here, isn't he? He really is. I mean, the core strength to take this fucking slow, arcing suplex, it it beggars belief. It just gets a two count, though, and Regal's forced to go again. A shoulder to the midsection, a European uppercut, quite right too, a double stamp to the face, some forearms to the side of the head, then a pin, a reversal from Eddie, a nasty back elbow from Regal in response, a big elbow drop to the side of Eddie's head as he's starting to rise back up to his feet, and then three quick pin attempts, whose job is only to wear Guerrero down, start to do so. An abdominal stretch punctuated with some slaps to the face, which Eric correctly says are perfectly legal due to their open-fisted nature. He says he's just punishing Eddie here now when he's dead right. The crowd get involved and try to rouse the wounded Guerrero. It starts to have an effect as the scrapper from El Paso then begins to hulk up and then lands a dropkick in response to a regal whip. 
The charge, though, is once again quickly quashed, and Regal starts teeing off on Eddie as he's on his knees. Eddie responds to an awful backhanded slap to his face with a push to Regal's chest and likely some swear words that Mike couldn't pick up. This incenses his lordship, though, and he absolutely loses his cool and starts battering Eddie. The crowd don't like it. And the absolute rotter Regal taunts them by striding about the ring, one arm behind his back, chest out and a smirk on his face. But then, Eddie seizes his chance. He reverses a European uppercut and backslides Regal into a pin and steals the 1-2-3. Regal is furious and continues his assault until Eddie manages to roll away under the bottom rope and out of harm's way. A snarling Regal is left protesting. It was only a two count, he says, and he spits venom down the camera as the comms lads say we're going to hear from Lex and Sting after the break. Sure enough, once we've all had a chance to calm down, we return and... (laughs) Paid by the segment, Mean Gene Oakland is on the ramp, flanked by the two friends involved in the biggest will-they-won't-they since Ross and Rachel. (laughs) In another case of these two should not be doing promos, I'm afraid we relive Lex costing Sting the title at Starcade. And here, Lex claims that he only held Sting back, stopping him from getting back into the ring before the countout, because he was injured, and he was trying to get Sting's help to get up. Then he asks Sting to form a tag team with him, and Sting considers it very carefully indeed for three seconds before saying that he will. The two lads then walk to the back, and unless Sting here turns on Lex bloody soon, he is being made here to look like one of the biggest nanas in history. Yes, infuriating, I found this. Really Isn't it? Yeah. I found it funny when, uh, when they were both trying to chip in at the same time, and uh, Gene was struggling to to switch the mic from side to side. And at one moment, <laughs> he turns around and smashes Luger in the, the chin with his mic. <laughs> <laughs> Gene then tells us that they're going to take on the Blue Bloods at Clash of the Champions, which is fantastic. But how the hell did Gene know that? Even Sting didn't know that they were going to be an actual tag team until 10 seconds ago. So how has Gene got the pay-per-view lineup in his his mind's (laughs) eye to just know that, you know, prophetically? (sighs) Can I just jump in there with uh, Clash of the Champions? Sure. Presumably, it's going to involve champions clashing right <laughs> you know what, what are them two what are them two teams <laughs> and yeah champions of <laughs> correct up next we've got Diamond Dallas Page going up against Sting um, and as DDP makes his entrance he stirs directly down the camera and shouts to the audience that once he's finished with the stinger he's coming for you Johnny B. Bozo to take his TV title and his diamond doll back uh, as Sting's music hits Mongo tells us all that DDP has had a terrible 1995 and has started 96 off by losing to Sting <sighs> So why are we watching this match then? He literally <laughs> can't help himself, can he? From Monko. <laughs> he just can't help himself. He's just jumping in. That, 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 he's up there. I know the something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is up there. <laughs> Sit on your hands, Mongo. Come on, shut up. <laughs> but he can't help himself, can he? But but he, he does his best here. He jumps in and, and, and says, well, he hasn't lost this thing yet. Uh, the bell hasn't rung, but it, it's too late. What a mess. He's, he's absolutely ruined this uh, before, 10 seconds before the, the, the match kicks off. <laughs> anyway, Sting enters 
Uh, and this week he's taken inspiration from a tiger, I think, with his face paint. He's gone all orange and black. Looks like he's just freshly left a birthday party. And as he enters the <laughs> room... Do you know what I mean, though? Like kids, get, kids just get like the top half of the face painted. He just had a little, little glimpse of a tiger on his face. But I mean, we get, we're getting, we're getting a little bit towards, you know, we're working our way through the animal kingdom, aren't we? So, you know, who knows what it's going to be next week? Um, in the ring, the referee, Tim Patrick, he's, he's checking Sting's knee pads, on, and as Tim. he's doing this, DDP lands a cheap shot and rubs his cigar into Stinger's face, and this one gets underway. Love that. Love what that are you going to say there? But yeah, that's what fantastic. Spot. <laughs> I mean, it, obviously we know that didn't happen, but, you know, it, it looked very convincing from, from the shot we yeah, got and obviously did. the audience as well, so for, so for play to him. Uh, DDP, he takes the upper hand straight away early on. He's stomping away, he's punching the stinger uh, and then some rope running from the two culminates in Diamond Dallas Page getting caught up in the ropes and Sting landing a drop kick that sends Page to the outside. Sting uses the ropes then to catapult himself to the outside and lands a flying crossbody onto DDP. The crowd pop big time and Stinger gets up off his feet and high fives a young girl on the front row. Crowd are loving it. <laughs> Back in the ring though, we get we get the only the only sloppy sequence of the match really. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Liam, I'm just laughing. I thought that that young girl high fiving him in the front row. Have <laughs> face painted like that? My eyes. <laughs> 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 yeah. Maybe it's her party, yes. Like that, Mum. Just like that. Like that. <laughs> I, w- I want that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I cracked it when I saw that face paint. What, a, what an absolute jerk. <laughs> He's a jerk, isn't he? Oh. As that promo prize this break showed. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the ring, uh, we, we get the only sloppy sequence of the match, really. Uh, and Sting is is trying to hurdle Diamond Dallas Page at one point. And as he comes back from the rope, he, he catches his, his undercarriage on the top of uh, DDP's bonts. Looks pretty <laughs> painful. And uh, Sting stays down for a few seconds to catch his breath. Knocks the wind out of him. Diamond Dallas Page, he gets some time uh, during this one. We, we, we obviously know the outcome. Mongo's literally told us, but he gets some time to, to show what he can do. He, he's taunting the crowd after every stomp, every eye poke he lands. Uh, and he hits a, a, you know, a pretty good-looking back suplex as Sting comes stumbling out of the corner. DDP continues on the front foot. He hits a lovely-looking swinging net breaker that only gets a one count before slowing the pace right down and applying a sleeper hold that sends Sting to the mat. I love this spot here. Page uses the ropes to apply more pressure to the submission. And every time Nick Patrick looks up, he drops his feet <laughs> off the ropes and shoots a Bill Wilder look towards the referee. Fantastic stuff. Love all this. <laughs> Sting, he, he tries to uh, mount a comeback. He works his way off the mat. The crowd are willing him to, to, to do this. But before he does, before he can get fully back to his feet, Page slams him back down and into the submission hole once more. We get another plug for the Clash of Champions, which we've only just literally had. Uh, and in the background, Sting has managed to break the hold before hitting an inverted atomic drop that sends DDP stumbling backwards into the corner. This is followed by the Stinger splash and a leg sweep before Sting applies the Scorpion Deathlock. But DDP foils this and he grabs the bottom rope straight away. We get some more back and forth from the two. DDP hits and Sting with another eye poke, a back elbow that gets a two-fall, and then we head towards the finish. DDP sends Sting into the corner face first, and as Sting stumbles out, he tries to land another back suplex, but this time Sting has he's seen this. He spins out of the move. He lands on his feet. 
Page turns around. He attempts a kick to the midriff, but Sting catches a leg this time. He pushes Page to the canvas and applies a scorpion deathlock. And it isn't long before Page is tapping relentlessly on the canvas. The referee, for some reason, doesn't call for the bell straight away, even though Page is tapping relentlessly on the mat. He allows a hold to be held for a couple of moments before then calling for the bell. Look, I like this one. I don't know what you two thought. DDP got a bit of time. We obviously knew it was going to be a Stinger win, but we, we, he showcased his, his talents against a big name. I thought he, he held his own. Uh, no one was surprised at the outcome, especially as Mongo told us the result. Uh, and the only surprising <laughs> thing was that we didn't get any press slams, which I was flabbergasted at. But uh, overall, an entertaining contest between the two. Following that, we, we were, off to, were off to the main events and we've got the lads, the, the lads on comms, giving us their, their thoughts before the action begins. Bobby Heenan, he warns the faces that they're likely to be fighting four lads tonight, not two, because of course the horsemen are involved, as he mentioned at the start of the programme. Uh, then Mongo, he concurs and when referencing the the inevitability of, of shenanigans in the match, he, he parrots a phrase I think he might have picked up in the WCW booking meetings. He says, it shouldn't happen, but it does. <laughs> so, without further delay, though, let's get, let's get to the ring, because the, the heels are out first, and they're giving it big portions, as you would expect, on the way to the squared circle before the faces emerge. And, and then... We kind of get a bit of a, a build-up, a drawn-out affair for this particular entrance of um, Hogan and Savage teaming up here. So we get a camera shot of the concrete that kind of that makes up the entrance rear that goes all the way along the gangway to the structure from where the lads emerge. And this this concrete has been besmirched with a load of, load of uh, Hulk Hogan silhouettes and they lead all the way to that big, big structure at the top where the lights are, the metal structure they've got. And then... Hogan's music is absolutely blaring through the PA system here. Atmosphere, absolutely raucous. And who's it going to be? First through the curtain, do you think, lads? Who is it going to be with all this build-up? It's obviously the macho man, Randy Savage. Of and course he, it is. He's wearing, he's wearing his... This was, this was cringeworthy. He's, uh, he's wearing his Hulk Hogan, like Hulk Hogan variant of his oh, outfit, no. all yellow and red. Oh, no. He's Hulk Hogan pyjamas on. Yeah, he has. This is like this is exactly. The, he's dressed up as Hulk Hogan, and then he invites the crowd to like look back at the curtains. So he's come out. We've got we've got wrestling legend Randy Savage, who's come out to Hogan's music in, in, in absolute, you know, some kind of Hogan fest. And then he's like, look at look look back at everyone pointing back at the main entrance, and then Hogan obviously fucking makes his grand entrance as well. We're essentially fucking using. One of the all-time wrestling greats, Macho Man Randy Savage, as Hogan's hype man. It's awful, isn't it? It's absolutely awful. It was. It was painful. It was difficult to watch. Um, yeah, it I, I didn't, didn't sit well with me at all. After these fucking bullshit prolonged entrances, we're ready to uh, sweep this depressing fact under the rug, though, and we can we can start this start this match. So it appears in the ring we're going to kick off with Flair and the Macho Man. But before the first hint of a lockup, before even the first hint, a suggestion of a lockup has even been fucking mooted, Macho decides he's going to tag Hogan in. So there's no physical contact made between grapplers there. So they're clearly not playing raw ball rules. <laughs> Correct. 
Pause for laughs there. Did that well. The match then he kicks <laughs> off with Flair demonstrating his, <laughs> his uh, superior wrestling ability, applying a ton of holds on the hapless adversary while Bischoff, the the will and smithers to Hogan's Mr. Burns tells us it's not a problem for Hogan. Hogan's actually comfortable with any type of match Flair fancies. He wouldn't have a problem with that well. He fucking doesn't know what's going on here while fucking <laughs> Hogan's got a bit wrist lock, fucking head lock, chin lock, whatever lock you can think of. Hogan's just fucking laid there. Uh, so the sequence culminates in Flair giving Hogan a bit of a, a monster chop in the corner, which obviously has absolutely no effect other than to fire Hogan up, and he then yeah. flattens yeah. the heels with a series of clotheslines and body slams, causing them to retreat to the outside. Really bad clotheslines, may I add. Yeah, they're just so sloppy, aren't they? It's it's he's bother, he doesn't even bother. He sort of just taps them two-handed on the chest. It's pathetic. He's totally, and the crowd loved it when he uh, he did get rid of you know he absolutely when he when he cleared the ring. Yeah, they did. Yeah. It was did you, he is fucking toilet. Did you see as well, uh, Jim? But when uh, when he cleared the ring, Hogan, he was all like he was all like on the ropes, uh, leaning over with his like his, his his hand to his nose, like giving the horseman like you know yeah. that shit crap you that shit crap you get on the schoolyard. Like what? Like, I mean the, the the primary schoolyard, the, the nursery schoolyard. <laughs> oh, it's appalling. I mean. He's He's the worst. It's so bad. Anyway, back in, the heels have composed themselves and they're back in. Flair, he he tags out to Arn, who then takes his turn getting dominated by Hogan before Hogan decides to give him a break and he he tags in. He tags in Macho, so Savage, he comes in hot and he continues the the double assault, hitting an axe handle from the top rope to the outside and repeating a move once again. So you've got Hogan doing these, like you said, Steve, these toilet clotheslines and you've got Macho Man straight in. I'm going to be jumping off here and out of there. I'm going to be jumping over here and doing this. He's fucking flying. Axe handles from here, there and everywhere. Really, you know, up in the, the tempo of this particular Carry. contest. Uh, he, he goes after a flattening arm with the second axe handle. He goes for a, uh, he goes to pin him, but Flair breaks it up. He was then chased around the ring by Hogan in a sequence that was lacking only in Benny Hill music. <laughs> <laughs> so Savage is um, he's still kind of he's down he's hurt after being he had his pin broken up by Flair who, who, who kicked him quite viciously and um, so this kind of hiatus it's allowed Flair to, to capitalise and he duly does uh, this all builds to to Savage's comeback though where he flings Flair off the top rope so I feel like again I don't know about you guys I feel like I've seen Flair ascend the turnbuckle plenty of times yeah, I've never ever, I've never seen him hit anything off there. <laughs> no, he goes, he goes up purely set up a press slam. He does do it every That's time. His job. Every time. Flair's <laughs> going up there, so press slam must be coming. It's the only Correct. reason you can think why he's going up there. I can just when this happened, when this is happening, he's climbing up there. He's going outside the ring and he's climbing up them them ropes. I can just hear the the, the immortal words of Mongo from earlier in the show ringing to me. Is it shouldn't happen. But it does. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Flair's the press slam duly arrives from Macho. Flair's hoid off the top rope and he takes a flat back, flat back bump, leading to a double fi- double figure four spot where Flair and the invading Arn Anderson are locked in the famous finisher <laughs> by Savage and Hogan until the battery he averts danger by raking the eyes of Savage, reaching across and raking the eyes of, of, of Savage. Um, very much a classic, classic Arn Anderson. Right yeah, there. Brilliant. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So clever. As, as the ref, he escorts Hogan out with the ring. Double A, Savage with a big DDT, and then he scarpers. So this allows Flair to, to build a fresh batch of heat in the ring. During 
said he'd spot Bischoff reminds us that Arn cost Savage the title and as a result there's nothing Macho would like more than a huge piece of Anderson's rear end what about that <laughs> salacious stuff from Bischoff though I reckon I reckon if Macho had been a bit more litigious he could have been hot water in a slender lawsuit there you can't be saying things like that Bischoff <laughs> what about amazing anyway the, the, the heels they worked over Savage for a long time, didn't they? This went oh, on. Oh, jeez, didn't they just? This went on. It, it built up to a to, to a bungled hot tag spot. So Arn, he's he's because because Hogan keeps distracting the ref by trying to you know get by Hogan get annoyed by the heels working. Yeah. Thing obviously he keeps distracting the ref. The ref goes over and the heels then use this this opportunity to uh, inflict more damage on Savage. Um, Hogan just just clearly doesn't figure out what they're doing. Idiot. And then um, <laughs> Arn goes for a second DDT on Savage. But Savage, he grabs the rope, out of desperation, grabs the top rope. And this causes Anderson to hit the deck. So he's essentially delivered the DDT, but there was no, no one on the receiving end of the DDT. Yet, Anderson has sold himself here. The battery has sold it. Like, he's really hurt. So I didn't understand this because he was fine after he hit the first DDT. And he's yeah. done exactly the same thing. He's DDT someone without DDT. So why is he really hurt this time when it's exactly the same? Kind of, your body's in exactly you're, the same you're position. Right. You're dead right. So this one was a bit of a... It had me scratching my head a bit. But it's not my only gripe, though, because as after the DDT fiasco occurs, this happens right next to where Hogan is, right in the corner, where Macho needs to go to make the tag. So Hogan's right there waiting with his arm out. So Macho, yeah. all he has to do is kind of just go, you know, just, just stretch his own, own arm out, and there you go, there's the tag, mate. <laughs> But he kind of like doesn't and he's kind of like zombified and, and ambles backwards towards the middle of the ring. So <laughs> if, he, if he's that desperate, he could have just literally put his hand out. He kind of ambles back towards the middle of the ring, stands there for a bit and then he waits till Flair comes running and knees him in the back, which then causes Savage to fly to the corner, allowing him to reintroduce Hogan to proceedings. I just thought this was really yeah. kind of... It was, it was garbage. Um, it was. But then, as we expected, Hogan Julie cleans house, or as Mongo puts it, he is cleaning up the house. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you like about Hogan, OCD for telling you this. Cleaning up Fuck the house. Fucking hell, Mongo. I missed that. That's fantastic. He's cleaning up the house. The house is now spotless, and, and Hogan, he, he puts this one to bed. The ring's completely clear to people. Hogan then decides enough's enough. So he, um, he Anderson's, Randy, Randy Anderson, that's the ref. Arn Anderson is trying to, uh, <laughs> he's trying some kind of comeback. We've all made the mistake. I'm just glad you have finally did. That's it. That's it. Arn <laughs> Anderson he's trying to build some kind of comeback and he, he, he delivers a, a majestic looking spine buster as always on, on, on Hogan but Hogan no sells it as you would completely no sells and he gets up lands a I big boot at a crap really leg drop and, and, and he gets a free that's that's the end that's that's all she wrote um, he's yeah. just classic well why, classic. why not why not just sell the spine buster for a bit and then like Surprise arm as he get up, you know what I mean? Right? Why do you have to not sell? I know, and the spine exactly buster, you know what in the I mean? same spot a Ow. few weeks ago, didn't we? Where he no sold the spine buster. If, if you've already just done it on TV, that way, no selling the spine buster on TV like that. Why wouldn't you just, just you know, just change just a little bit, just change, do something slightly different? It was all correct. It just reminds me of the Mongo mantra of it shouldn't happen, <laughs> but it does, which, which was ringing clear as a bell in my head. 
he's never sounded so intelligent as he, he can hasn't. Just, he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't. We're about. Here. I'm thinking we're about done for the evening tonight. Sure, but wait a second. What? <laughs> what have we got here? It's it's Pillman and Benoit yeah. who come rushing to the ring. I mean, bit late, lads. You've had 15 <laughs> minutes to interfere in this. Don't wait till Hogan fucking goes for the cover after the leg drop before you start running. Shit, he's at the leg drop. Run now, run. <laughs> Get in there. Correct. <laughs> Do you? You've had plenty of time, lads. You've cut that too fine. It's cost you. Anyway, before they can get in the ring, uh, the, the two remaining horsemen, they cut off. But as soon as they hit the apron by the, by the denizens of the Dungeon of Doom, who... Who, who pull them off, pull them off the apron, and then and they're fighting around the ring, and we then we then get this this beautiful moment, this blissful moment where the application of some common sense it leads to the, the giant looking half decent for once on on Night Raw television, which Correct. for me is is fucking not worthy stuff, isn't it? Um, he hits the ring, does the giants, while the horsemen and dungeon of a dungeon of doom are brawling on the outside. And he gives Hogan and Savage the old classic noggin knocker uh, before <laughs> laying out both of the top baby faces with massive choke slams. I mean, this is unheard of, isn't it? Hogan's taking a choke slam. Correct, yeah. Going off air looking like a fucking bell end. And <laughs> all of it's played, of course, to the soundtrack of the, I presume, very weathered WCW bell, which is fucking just ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding. ding. I can imagine Liam. It haunts my dreams, that. I can imagine you're at this point. It is incessant. True to form, though, as we spoke about in recent weeks. um, So the giant, he's flattened both of the baby faces, both of the top baby faces, and there's still always that one member of the dungeon, isn't there, who who, who he's preaching a bit of restraint, a bit of caution, (laughs) and and in comes the Zabrodiak just to say to the giant, hey, They've had enough. Right Calm down. Time. Right don't do you. don't do anything too too much. <laughs> yes. Some common Less sense <laughs> from the man of the, uh, the, from the land of the uh, yin and yang, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> of all places, he's a voice of, of reason people. this week. Yeah, yeah. We definitely don't want the giant getting too <laughs> over it. Right, way. but but again, right? Okay, and I, I, I'm well aware what I'm doing here is an absolute folly by investigating the logic here. But Zabrodiak has come down to the ring with him. To assault them, right? He's totally on board with that. Like, totally, well, we're going to go out there, we're going to fucking kick their asses, right? That, that's what he's, he's, he's game for that. That got a yeah. yes from the yeah. Zabrodiak, right? Who's with me? Is Zabrodiak straight in there? Me? Yes! yes. <laughs> right, he's done that, right? Grand. <laughs> We've got there, he's done a bit of that, he's done a bit of fight, and he's, he's brawled with the horsemen, and he's up in the ring, he's seen giant doing what they've all set out to do, which is batter everyone. Giant's noggin knocker in... Savage and Hogan. He's gone, no! (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why has he done that? Why does that make any sense? Imagine, imagine though, like it's cutting out and how how much more effective it would look if it was just the Dungeon of Doom just looking over the carnage. Completely. And and be like, oh, that's that's like, looks decent for once. But instead, you've got the Zabrodiak just tapping, you know, giants (laughs) and trying to talk some some reasoning into him. And you just left scratching your head, as always. You see, them at the top of the ramp, well, not the ramp, you know what I mean, the gangway. Yeah, exactly. Looking on, going, we get this. You guys fight it out. That's grand. But, But they don't. They get involved. They all look like morons. (laughs) <laughs> they do, don't they? And anyway, after after the Zabrodiak's um, you know encouragement, after Zabrodiak talks 
talks the giant down, the heels pack up at this point and, and, and we go off air with Nitro's top faces in a bad way in the middle of the ring. That's your show. So that was the January 8th, 1996 edition of Monday Nitro. But what did we all make of it? My builder is Regal and Eddie. I'm so predictable, I know, and I don't care. Cracking match, had me gripped, liked the finish. Both lads look strong, but tell a story that makes sense for their characters respectively. Brilliant. Liam, how about you? What was your Nitro builder? Uh, My Nitro builder this week... I'm going to go for the Horsemen. Um, I think as a group, just exactly what the show needs. Very nasty, individually very good in the ring. Um, One or two are not so great on the mic, but they they, they get themselves over by, you know, being psychotic around the ring if you're you're Brian Pillman in it, and it works. (laughs) The crowd love to hate them. Uh, and, and it's just the total opposite of the the Dungeon of Doom and what they've been doing for the the past couple of months. So, you know, hopefully they're here to stay the Horsemen. Spot on. Jim, how about you? What was your Nitro ratings builder? I was I was weighing up the giant, finally looking strong as as my uh, gonna be my builder, but you can't not go for Brian Pillman, I don't think, after that performance. Didn't even wrestle, but couldn't take your eyes off him when he was out there. What a believable fucking dickhead he was today. <laughs> Absolute great work. Lovely stuff. Oh, one of the killers then, and my killer is. The Lex Sting Mean Gene promo segment. Stop giving these guys microphones. The hell are you doing? Couldn't agree more with that, to be honest. <laughs> Liam, same question to you. What was your Nitro ratings killer? My Nitro killer has got to be the comms, lads. Um, started off with their outfits, heinous. They all look <laughs> like they've done a trolley dash through a charity store. Um <laughs> Heenan was terrible this week. Mongo was even worse. And, you know, spoiling a match moments before it kicks off is, yeah. is a criminal act. So yeah. definitely has to be a killer this week. Completely fair. Jim, same question to you. What was your Nitro ratings killer? Um, I could second your your killer of Sting and, and Luger. That segment was, was Borstal. But I'll go with wrestling icon Randy Savage being made to carry Hulk Hogan's bags on, on live telly at the start of the main events. <laughs> Despicable. So that was Nitro, but what about Raw? Well, let's head on over to Vinnie Mac and Co, who are still in the Bob Carpenter Centre in Newark, Delaware. Vinnie Mac's gravelly tones get us underway, and he delivers the intro from ringside with Jerry the King Lawler, as we've come to expect. Vince tells us that Hakushi's in the ring, and that he'll shortly be taking on none other than Jeff Jarrett. But he goes on to say, tonight, finally... 
We'll learn who the million dollar champion is. Have we had any build up to this at all so far? <laughs> what do you mean, finally? What are you talking about? <laughs> Jerry then tells us that we're also going to get Gold Dust, who will be in action tonight, just as Jeff Jarrett's music hits. Then, a small, really annoying child wearing a brand new adult sized t shirt that the cameraman's just given him and is. Quite possibly the worst merch t-shirt I've ever seen appears on screen. And given how forcefully Vince reads the text emblazoned on the front, which says, Ain't I great? Jeff Jarrett's catchphrase, I'm sure you'll know. And how gleefully he reads the word on the back as the small child turns around and says, Not! I think it's quite clear (laughs) that Vince is the mastermind behind this cobbler's. (laughs) Turns out that Double J isn't going to be in the Rumble as we move back to the action, as Double J initially believed, because after his attack on Ahmed Johnson the other week on In Your House, Gorilla Monsoon has decided that they're actually going to go one-on-one at the Rumble instead. Did you notice the new Raw music? I did, with the new title screen, yes. Sorry, Liam, you're right, yeah. yeah. It's pretty good, isn't it? Mm. With the little sort of like... That's the second time they've jazzed that up since we've started. So that's in the space of like... Four or five months, isn't it? Not one at all. We get things under the way in the ring after what felt like an age, and Jarrett is brilliant because he starts with a lovely little scoop slam, followed by some textbook strutting with those two fingers in each hand, like the sort of weird double barrel guns, I suppose it's supposed to be, as he struts around the ring in celebration. Hakushi, though, is back up super quickly, and he grounds Jarrett with a one-leg takedown, as Vince calls it. He charges at Double J as he stands back up, but the wily country star is wise to it and sends the man from Japan flying over the top rope and out of the ring. But Hikushi's too agile and cat-like lands on his feet. Then, continuing the feline role-playing, crouches down silently to hide beneath the apron and then silently creeps up the ring steps, jumps to the top rope and executes a wonderful-looking flying shoulder to the celebrating Double J. Lovely little sequence, that I thought. So too did the crowd, who pop, loving the cocky country singer getting his comeuppance. Next, a whip Jared eats a dropkick before hooking the bottom rope, slinking out of there and deciding, nah, he's had enough, and he starts heading to the back to crowd boobs. He thinks better of it, though, and returns to ringside, and as he does so, he grabs the now-distracted Hakushi's ankles from underneath the top rope to send him to the canvas, which King loves. He's brilliant, so he says. Jared seizes the opportunity to take control and socks Hakushi with a few strong clotheslines as Vince predicts a Hakushi win tonight, which seemed a bit bizarre. Um, as we return from a break, we find Hakushi trapped in an abdominal stretch as Double J gets illegal leverage from the top rope just out of sight of referee Tim White. Hakushi manages to reverse the move with the hip toss, though, before Jared then delivers a lovely-looking swinging neckbreaker to regain control. Hakushi ducks a back elbow and lands a back kick before the whipped Jared grabs hold of the ropes to stop his own progress and make sure that Hakushi misses with the dropkick. Then the man from Japan escapes a sleep hole before starting both wrestlers running the ropes. A baseball slide under Jared's legs gives Hakushi time to plant another back kick, then a sharp uppercut... A whip to the opposite corner sets up a cartwheel back elbow, all looking fantastic, which in turn is followed up with a flying double forearm that sees Jarrett seeing stars. 
After a near fall, Hakushi continues to pile the pressure on. Scoop slamming Double J to set up a splash from the middle of the top rope. Again, looked brilliant. Jeff, though, manages to get up to his knees and reverse it. And then he signals the figure four is coming. And it does. And Hakushi cannot help but submit as Jarrett gets the win. Okay, so following that, we've got an Ahmed Johnson contest. Uh, and, and we know Ahmed Johnson has a, a match coming up at the Royal Rumble against Double J. So he's going to need a decent tune-up to get himself prepared for that. So this week, he's going up against the formidable Jeff Brettler. And I, I don't think I don't think there's any point in me going into detail in this one, is there? It's going to go, you know, as we know, every Ahmed Johnson uh, contest goes. Um, but the, the comms here, the, the, the mention, the unveiling of the of the million dollar champion on the Brother Love show, which is to follow this um, before we head to a break. And and it was at this point, fellas, that my network feed cut out. So if one of you two can <laughs> jump in here, it'd be great. It'd be very much appreciated. Um, great effort. <laughs> anyway, when we come back from the break, uh, Johnson is in the ring with Jeff Brettler. And oh, my word, what is Brettler wearing? He's he's fashioned some trousers out of Joseph's technical dream coat. <laughs> even even Vince questions this attire on comms, and he this does. is up there alongside Marty Ginetti's with the worst ring attire we've seen so far. <laughs> agreed? Totally agreed. Horrific. No, not agreed. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the bell sounds, and just like every other Armored Johnson match we've covered, it's over within 90 seconds. Uh, Johnson, he grabs Brettler in a chokehold before picking him up and throwing him quite clumsily over his shoulders. Uh, it didn't look, didn't look pretty. No, Brettler lands straight on top of his neck, uh, and this is followed up by a full-on chop to the face. Um, and, and it's probably why I think Ahmed is still, is still working with these job men. Uh, I don't think Vince maybe trusts him with the, the main superstars, but uh, it, you know, nevertheless, we, uh, we, 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 we take another look at, at Johnson's power. And you know, he does demonstrate quite a lot of strength, doesn't he, in the ring? Um, yeah. and, and after the sequence, we, we get the axe kick we usually do from Johnson. Again, looks quite clumsy. He goes with the, the opposite foot, really. That's it. But the spine buster that follows did look uh, impressive. So we're, we're cutting some slack there. Uh, Brettler is picked up uh, instantly from this and he's put to bed with the Pearl River Plunge. One, two, three, it's over, folks. Um, and while we are, we're being shown a replay of the finish, uh, Double J has come out from the back with his guitar, but he misses with an attempt to hit Johnson over the head. Uh, he, he scarpers, he leaves the guitar behind uh, and, and Ahmed then proceeds to, to pick this up, the instrument, and, and, and smash it onto the ring post while Vince can be heard in the background screaming, what a tune Ahmed is playing! I mean, <laughs> Jesus, Vince, have a, have, a, have a week off, pal. What did you think of that impression, by the way? I thought I'd slip one in. That was <laughs> great. Great, great, great prelude. Yeah, get, the, get that larynx warmed up. <laughs> and if you like the sound of that. After this, uh, the comms, the, the, uh, the tease next week's Raw and, and tell us that we we're going to get Undertaker going up against Isaac Yankum DDS in a, in a prequel of a brother versus brother further down the line uh, alongside Owen Hart, who is going up against Jim's favourite, Marty Gennetti. He's back. What we got in store? What a week we've got in store there, should I say?
And now, for those of you who missed it, in the Starcade 95 episode a few weeks back, in honour of the World Cup of Wrestling on the show, we held our very own TMNS version, pitting the nitpicker against Lost yeah. Lane. Now, in spite of accusations of skullduggery on behalf of the nitpicker, the official Board of Control have not yet reversed their decision. And so, Lost Liam was left to pick up the punishment of covering the next Brother Love Show segment as Vince McMahon. And that time is now. And what a historic segment it is. Liam, over to you. Or should I say, Vince, over to you. I can only apologise here, uh, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> for what you're going to have to sit through the next few minutes. But I'm not a sore loser, Jim. So, you know, a bet's a bet. So yeah, here we go. Incredible. This week's Brother Love run through will be done in an abysmal Vince McMahon impression. <laughs> here we go. Let's just hide you two for a moment. <laughs> Fair. <clears throat> God, I'm already cringing here. I'm cringing already. <laughs> <laughs> What's cracking me up here is, like, what, what, what Rach is going to be thinking of downstairs when she just hears this? <laughs> Belting out at 10 to 11. Did you know you're doing it? Uh, no, not this part, no. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made a song and dance about it now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it under me hat. Right here we go. <clears throat> Come on. <laughs> right. Ted DiBiase is out with a million dollar championship belt. And he introduces the ringmaster, who, as we know, will go on to become Stone Cold Steve Austin. He looks in incredible shape here, and the capacity crowd are going wild. The ringmaster cuts a decent promo, asking the viewers at home to reach out <laughs> and touch their screens and see what success feels like. <laughs> And a couple of the youngsters respond straight away, which is a fantastic response for a lad on his debut. <laughs> the ringmaster informs us that he will be one of the participants in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> and yes, he is guaranteed to come out on tap and head to WrestleMania as a number one contender. <laughs> He and DiBiase laugh in unison <laughs> and praise the Lord for a deliberately shortened Brother Love show this week on oh. Monday Night Raw. Oh, fucking incredible. Fantastic. That's the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> so uh, uh, apologies go out to my family, <laughs> my friends and loved ones. But I had to fulfil that side of the of the bet. Well done. Very well, well done. done. Following this, then we've got Gold back in action. He's 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 up next against Aldo Montoya. 
thought um, this kind of fits right in on a show of uh, uninterested matches where the outcome is blindingly obvious. So there's no doubt help keep the viewers engaged before they roll out the big replay of the main event from the latest pay-per-view coming up soon. So, um, you know, well done there, guys. Uh, you remember all those... Mr. McMahon promos where he would talk about, obviously we haven't got to him yet, but coming up in the years to come of uh, about, about his grapefruits and how his, his giant balls are responsible for all the success he's had. And <laughs> you haven't got this success because you haven't got the same size balls as me. But I think he might have been referred exclusively to this time period because you've got to be pretty fucking brave, haven't you, to be air at a show like this with these yeah. tiny fucking short matches that you get all squashes and then you've got You're not wrong. a massive replay of fucking yeah. the, the, something I mean, you've yeah. already made people pay for. <laughs> That's the, the yeah, whole the, fucking show. I can't believe this is the retaliation. You re, the retaliation to get your ass kicked is this. It's laughable, isn't it? It's laughable. Yeah. It is, correct. How have they fucking stayed in business? Who knows? Uh, anyway, as I knew the result of this match before it began, I thought I'd investigate a bit about Aldo uh, Montoya that you fuck all about him so do you know this guy would go on to become just incredible ECW's just incredible but but according to his uh, his Google profile oh, go on. so when he was first hired by WWF he was given the Aldo Montoya gimmick which originally was that of a soccer player due to his Portuguese heritage so wow Portuguese heritage, got to be, got to be, got to be a footballer, got to be a soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then they had to alter this gimmick. This gimmick has to get changed somewhat to the to the Portuguese man o' war gimmick. This is all according to his Google, his, his, uh, his, his Wikipedia page. I must stress, but um, yeah, altered to the the Portuguese man o' war kind of vibes. As the future, just incredible. Turns out, didn't like soccer, so we've had to switch that up. <laughs> But, you know nothing about it. We fall the first like hurdle. It. He's a man of war then. <laughs> what? But now, now he became the Portuguese man of war, which, again, I don't know if you guys know this, but is the deadliest jellyfish in the sea. So does this mean he likes jellyfish? If He, he doesn't like football, say, but he, but he I, loves I jellyfish. I was clearly a massive fan of jellyfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loves jellyfish. So given that the bloke in the ring, in the match I watched, didn't look anything like any, any soccer player I'm familiar with, I presume... We've got the jellyfish iteration of Montoya here. So, anyway, he's lasted about as long when this match is underway. He's lasted about as long as a jellyfish does after it's been washed up on the beach on a sunny day. And, um, yeah, the bizarre one hits a curtain corner and wins after about three minutes. That's all we need to say, really. I thought, superb from Goldust, as usual, no complaints. Yeah. Um, did what he could in such such a scenario. Looking forward to his uh, Royal Rumble match against Razor Ramon. Really looking forward to it. Indeed. And from there, we move to uh, a Doc Hendricks-less slam jam, I believe. Where is Doc? What's going on here? JR said he, he something to do with, um, like, got Larynx surgery. Or or, or... <laughs> <laughs> Getting another Which one I also need. <laughs> you do. Pay Right, so so on to Slam Jam then, and uh, as as Jim as Jim has told us, uh, Jr. is uh, is back, and uh, I must admit here straight away, this is this is much easier to listen uh, to than when when Doc is uh, running through his segments. Uh, Miles preferred him. Miles preferred him. Yeah, just it just gives much more of a of a professionalism to it, I think, and obviously, as we know, Jr. goes on to become part of the uh, 
the legendary commentary team with with King. So it's always good to see Jr. appear early doors as well. Uh, and he and he shows us a replay of uh, of HBK's press conference that's taken place earlier on in the day. Can anyone take a guess at what Sean is going to tell us? I might have an idea. Daring me. Is he giving up his job at the strip club? They were, they were, they were, they were thoughts that that popped into my head. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but at the press conference, uh, Sean declares that he will be competing at the Royal Rumble, which gets a, a really, really loud chorus of cheers from the uh, from the audience. Um, he then goes on to state that the individual who has the belt heading into WrestleMania will be handing it over to to HBK, who will carry said belts and the World Wrestling Federation into the new millennium, which is a good four years away as well. So that's it. <laughs> It's a very impressive title reign, Sean, and for someone who only weeks ago was threatened with a possible thought of death, should he take further impact to his head, is an actual miracle. So, you know, good luck with that. You've, you know, we said at the time, we had, when we had all the doctors in and the, the physicians and, you know, all this kind of nonsense that's that's built up this concussion recovery, you know, you, you leave yourself, you know, looking like an idiot and he does, he does that successfully, doesn't he? Anyway, after that, uh, we, we go on to uh, a Scheme Gene uh, interview. Yeah. Uh, Scheme Gene makes an appearance here. And I think this is, it, it's slightly funnier than uh, the Huckster and the Nacho Man we got last week, yeah, I think. Right, it, briefly, right. it's only briefly uh, funnier. But anyway, JR's asking Scheme Gene, can, can he reveal the name of this mysterious participant that, that that's you know yet to be unveiled for the the, the Royal Rumble uh, and and Gene's you know he's he's not he's not budging here he's he's telling you need to ring up this hotline you know to find out this <laughs> but he he, he, do, he does relent and, and and he tells us that the mystery person is Vader which obviously we already know and you know I think that's a little underhanded shot at the trike that you get fed on the hotline in WCW, yeah, which is, you know, it's it's always good to to, to see the, uh, the 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 two organisations going back and forth because obviously WCW loves to stick the knife in at the moment, and you know, I thought I thought this was a good a good uh, return really. So yeah, you know, only saving scheme. grace of this, yeah, scheme. He did all right there, I think. <laughs> uh, we head back to comms anyway, uh, and and Vince is asking King about his reaction to the the HBK decision. And in a rare moment of, of honesty from the king, you know, we get a we don't get a we don't get a you know a, a snide a snide comment or anything. He, he he tells us that he thinks HBK is making the biggest mistake of his life, yeah. uh, attempting to come back. And uh, this is followed then by a, a video package of a few superstars that are giving their reactions to the uh, the HBK news. Diesel kicks things off, uh, and he says it'll be business as usual if Sean was to to get back into the ring. But he wishes him the best of luck, and it's his best friend. Uh, we, we then go on to, to Razor, who, who tells us that he thinks Sean's taken a few bumps to the head. Um, but if he was to enter the, the Rumble, he, he'd put his money on uh, on him winning it. So, you know, who knows, lads? You know, he, he could be up there with one or two of the uh, the, the ring uh, the, the front runners for, for this uh, Rumble match. And we finally end this package with Owen Hart, who we all know put uh, Sean's life in danger. And he's asked for his reaction, and he uh, he he informs us that he's going to he promises sorry, Owen promises further punishment should Sean take part in the rumble. Uh, moving on then from this 
from this debacle is is the is of course the the encore segment as as they're calling it, where in which as we have mentioned previously, we had it's designed to showcase the great talent and excited matches that WWF are capable of serving up by replaying old pay per view matches they have made other people pay to watch. Um, just have some fucking new matches, lads. Correct. People might like that. I, yeah. I don't know. Am I saying something completely? Unhinged and, and radical here. Is this not at all? No, I, I, I can't so. believe. Yeah, I can't believe like they've all sat down. People have sat down in a room and thought like we're getting our asses kicked. Ninety five has been a, a washout. You know, we we finished the year with our lowest selling pay per view, and what we'll do is we'll get reruns of that pay per view on our struggling <sighs> wrestling program. I, I I can't weigh it up. It's it's bonkers. It's insane. Isn't it? I cannot understand it for the life of me. But anyway, last week. They did the same thing. We had the Hogpen match from In Your House 5 between Triple H and the Irish bacon maker Henry O'Godwin. Uh, this week, <laughs> the screening, the main event from the same show, which saw Bret Hart face off against the British Bulldog. And just like last week, we've already covered it. Um, if you want to listen to our thoughts on this particular match, have a flick through the archives. They're all there for you. Um, moving on. On we go. We've got a bit of a promo from The Undertaker, the dead man. For the six or seven people still watching this programme, they're treated <laughs> to some stellar, some vintage, some... Paul Bearer, that was me doing the chef's kiss there. <laughs> <laughs> Which Paul Bearer is famous for, as we know. So <laughs> Absolute stellar Paul Bearer, this Undertaker promo. Um, building to the, the title match at the Royal Rumble. So, um, Bearer, he tells us in his inimitable tones that for a countless number of times, the Undertaker's creatures of the night have asked Paul Bearer, when will the Undertaker get a chance at the WWF Championship? I'm reading that verbatim, by the way. He says Paul Bearer in the third person. Um, (laughs) So... A big burning issue then for the Creatures of the Night in early 96, this one. I wouldn't expect Creatures of the Night to be taking such a, such a keen interest in current affairs of the WWF. Shouldn't they be doing something a bit more dastardly? Than- yeah, I thought so. <sighs> well, to close out the show... We're back again with another comedy segment from Billionaire Ted's Wrestling War Room, in which a collection of intentionally offensive impersonators, though, to be honest, Nacho Man really isn't that bad, save for the name, are here impersonating Hulk and Macho whilst we get into some shtick that Vince clearly loves. So, Ted is after a new slogan for his wrestling show, and the suggestions that the table of execs, the huckster, and Nacho Man are coming up with do not pass muster with the billionaire, as he feels that the ideas put forward, e.g. uncut, uncensored, and uncooked, put forward by a young Vince Russo, are absolutely a no-go, as we've already stolen that one, he says. Another one was ripping off unbelievable, you know, like... Ted's wrestling is not believable, is out, as Ted says that, you know, this is no time to start telling the truth. So finally, we settle on, this is where the big boys play, as it's just dishonest enough to work. And then we get the only legitimate gag here, as Macho says, sorry, Nacho says, for no apparent reason, given the topic of this war room meeting, 
what if all our stars have to take drug tests for steroids? Which, that was my show, man. Which... (laughs) (laughs) That was better than the natural man. (laughs) It's a low bar. (laughs) Which the Hulkster is quick to play down by saying, you don't need to worry about that, brother, because we're not at the WWF anymore. That was an impression of the Hulkster, not of Hulk Hogan there, for everyone listening. Then the tagline hits as the voiceover man says, The new WWF generation. There is nothing old or unofficial here. Followed by, hilariously, a caption that reads, For a WWF drug program advisory, sign on to American Online tonight! Exclamation mark. And with that, we're out. that was WWF Monday Night Raw and on to our ratings builders and my builder is Hakushi another stellar performance from the lad he's here simply to build up Jarrett as he heads into the rumble match with Johnson and he did so brilliantly but he also managed to look great himself in the process absolutely fantastic Jim what was your raw ratings builder I'm Scraping the barrel, I've got a few listed. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna lump four. We didn't discuss it in much detail, but we got another Vader montage, didn't we? He's back in the gym, back in his trampoline. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, looking forward to seeing him in action too. So I'll, I'll go with that. Liam, same question to you. What was your raw ratings builder? Uh, just to echo Jim's uh, comments, slim pickings once again on the uh, raw program. But um, going back, we always comment, don't we? It's good to see. The start of people's careers in the WWF, uh, and we got a glimpse of you know an absolute stalwart of of the Attitude Era in yeah. in uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or as we are told here, the Ringmaster. And I thought he did all right. His promo was good. Introduced himself well. So let's see where where we go with this. Spot on. And over to the killers. My killer is Kel Surprise. It's a toss-up between HBK's news chamferance and the wrestling war room. And I think on balance, I'll have to go with HBK's. It was so predictable, so naff, and has taken up so much airtime over the past few weeks, I just can't forgive it. Jim, same question to you. What was your raw ratings killer? Uh, so my killer is 20 minutes of the show being dedicated to a... Uh to a replay of a match from a shite pay-per-view that is now a fair few weeks old at this stage. So just what is going on, really? They've got so much talent sitting around doing an out and, and the padded out shows like this in this this bizarre, fucking unintelligible fashion. So more effort seems to be going into writing them god-awful billionaire Ted sketches than, than creating content people actually want to watch. And uh, the, the sooner the ends, the better. And Liam, over to you. What was your Raw ratings killer? Uh, raw killer this week uh, was was the lack of actual wrestling on the programme. Uh, I know we got three uh, matches, but if you compiled uh, the, the minutes of each, uh, you, you'd still get less than 10 minutes. You know, you had too many promos. Jeez. We had a rerun. You know, you had shit segments uh, taking shots at the, uh, at the competition. Um, and as you say, you can't just you can't you can't turn up to these shows 
and, and be entertained by Aldo Montoya and, you know, Jeff Brettler. You know, you, you've got young young children here. They've got the Brett Arts, HBK, Razor Ramon merchandise and, and they're nowhere to be seen. Just no star quality at all. And you've got the competition serving up on a weekly basis. One of Fleur Hogan, Savage, Luger, Giants in. It's just so unbalanced at the moment. Well, with all of that in mind, let's see which show we thought should have gone over this week. Jim, let's start with you. Which show deserves to take the win in your mind? Uh, Nigel, absolutely, hands down. It'll be a travesty if, if it doesn't. I might jack the whole thing in if it doesn't, actually, because we're <laughs> going to go from here. <laughs> high stakes now. High stakes, indeed. The end of the nitpicker. He's put his career on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Unprovoked. Liam, same question to you. Which show deserves to win this week? Yeah, I'm in agreement with with Jim, especially after uh, the Raw Bowl last week. You know, the, the viewers can't be keen to, to tune in again to to a Raw program over over Nitro. So I'd be very surprised if if Nitro doesn't come out on top. Very good indeed. Well, for me, with Eddie Regal, DDP Sting, and Flair Arn and Macho all on top form, Nitro for me this week, hands down. Actually, enjoyable show, wasn't it? It really was. I know. I mean, it was. It was a cracker this week. Genuinely good. And Raw was genuinely bad as well, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and that <Right>. correct. <laughs> well, that's what we think. But what did the American public think in 1996? Over to the golden envelope for the TV ratings. This could be me. About to be done. Nitro two. Point eight, raw, three point zero. Shut up! It's the end of the nitpicker, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That That is unbelievable. How does that work? Unbelievable. Well, let's see how that's affected the scores and the Monday night doors. Raw edges back into the lead, eight seven. Barely a cigarette paper between them. That's stuck. My last pod. <laughs> this is it. I haven't yeah. got it in me to be the nitpicker. <laughs> no, Liam, I'm going to play double duty from now on. What a cliffhanger to end on. What happened next time? <laughs> oh, incredible. So that's it for the second episode of 1996. Well, next time out, we've got The Undertaker taking on his brother Kane. Well, when he was still pursuing a respectable career as an orthodontist. We've got Stone Cold in in-ring action. Well, when he was some kind of Lord of the Rings mega fan. And we've got, at long last, the return of Meng. Will it all live up to the hype? You'll have to tune in next time to find out. You won't hear my thoughts, though. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking 3.0, I can't believe it. <laughs> Well, before we head off to start tracking down nitpicker tombstones <laughs> on Amazon, 
<laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We're at TMN Scores. That's at TMN Scores. Well, all that's left to say is goodbye. So thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores. I didn't get why, um, do you know what he's like, they do this thing with the fucking gimmicks, don't they? Everyone seems to get these uh, like gimmicks, and more often than not, they don't. I mean, what, Triple H is that stinker of the, where he's the, the Aristocat, and, Aristocat? He's not, he's not one of them, is he? That's a film. <laughs> where, he's the aristocrat, where he's the Aristocrat. I had a little, a little bit fucking prepared then, but I've skipped over it now because we're right at the moment. <laughs> My creatures of the night fucking sketch was gold. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't do it because I've lost the flow. Give it, oh, give, it give it a go. I can't now because I've built it, haven't I? I've done a Vince McMahon impression. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not, it's not like an impression. It's just me talking. I'm going to need another much. shower after that Vince McMahon impression. I'm sweating that much. <laughs> No, I can't do it because it just be it's been built up now, hasn't it? Oh, come on, just do it for us then. It won't make the cut. It just, just all it says is like, you know what I mean? It's me talking like I'm one of the creatures of the night and being like that, that's literally that's literally what I would like to hear. Yeah, I, but I'm I, not I be, be I'm not doing it in like a creepy voice. It doesn't matter. Me. That's crap, it doesn't matter. Go on, do it. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind it's, you will be. Just give it a go. <laughs> it's not even that, it just is it's just me saying, you know what I mean? Being an outraged creature of the night and saying, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> what is British You're Bulldog getting? Is selling it more here, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Bulldog doing to get shot at the bell? The fuck's this? Half a word with them fall. It's not even funny. <laughs>